0: Hey, everybody. It's Jim and Livio back with another episode of the Borgo Pass Horror Podcast for your entertainment and edification. Ooh, that's a big word. How you like? I'm, uh, I'm trying a new one. Yeah. See if that sticks. I don't oh, know if like that it. new intro sticks. We'll see. Ha. Um, <laughs> we're back, everybody, for our final episode of 2023. Uh, the next time we come to you, it'll be 2024, right? Yeah, that comes after three. Uh, we started... Uh, Livia and I were just talking, kind of pre-gaming before the episode. We started this year with an episode of Inner Sanctum. I think it was Strange Confession, right, Livio? Yeah, uh, yeah, that or Weird Woman. I think it was Weird Woman. Strange Confession. Then, oh, really? I thought we just, maybe maybe it was Weird Woman. Anyway, um, so we thought it would be appropriate to end the year with an episode of. Uh, of uh, inner sanctum uh and we haven't really done a lon chaney movie in a couple episodes or something so it's time to time to circle back there um this is calling dr death from 1943 in which a doctor who hates his wife begins to suspect himself when she's uh, horribly murdered it stars lon chaney as dr mark Steele, uh obviously from wolfman man-made monster uh, son of dracula ghost of frankenstein and all the classics patricia morrison uh, plays Stella Madden, his nurse assistant. Uh, she's from Dressed to Kill, uh, the Sherlock Holmes movie, and she was also in Hitler's Mad Men. Um, yeah. She was also famous for having extremely long, beautiful hair, I've discovered. Down to um, her waist. I-, I was unfamiliar, by and large, with Patricia Morrison until watching this movie last night and, and then doing some research on her, and now I'm, I'm hoping to acquaint myself more with Patricia Morrison and her work because... Wow, she is lovely in this. She's just absolutely stunning, and she's she's a great actress. She's really good in it. Um, she's very critical. Uh, Ramsey Ames uh, plays Doctor uh, Maria Steele, Doctor Mark Steele's wife. We know her from The Mummy's Ghost. Jerry Carol Nash uh, is in Inspector Gregg. He was in House of Frankenstein, obviously. Uh, Strange Confession, Jungle Woman, and quite a few other uh, things. Holmes Herbert, one of Livio's favorite guys, shows <laughs> up as yeah. Brian the Butler uh, from the uh, Dr. 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 Mr. Hyde, Invisible Man, Mystery of the Wax Museum. And he has he has a little bit in, which one did we watch? Invisible Man, Invisible Agent, right? For I think he has like a little cameo in that as he's as a little bit older at that point I think so yeah yeah uh uh and and then a bunch of- co- great other actors that we'll talk about as we round out into them uh it was produced by Ben pivar uh mm-hmm written by Edward Dean, who wrote Jungle Woman, and directed by Reginald LeBorg, uh, who directed The Mummy's Ghost, Weird Woman, Jungle Woman, Dead Man's Eyes. Uh, he directed the <laughs> Joe Paluca series, which I'm unfamiliar with, but now I'm thinking about checking out. I saw. Um, and he directed uh, The The Black Sleep with Basil Rathbone, Lon Chaney Jr., and Tor Johnson. And Bela Lugosi. Uh, and Bela Lugosi, yeah. Oh, that's right. well, his... And that's the one. There's there's that famous photo in the whatever studio's commissary of Lugosi... And and Tor Johnson, everybody like having lunch together <laughs> yes. in the midst of all these, you know, otherwise normal looking people. Yeah, it was one of Legosi's last.
1: Well, I mean, outside of Ed Wood, I think it was one of his last roles. I mean, it was made last bits. Yeah, yeah, 50, months before he d- it, he f- passed away,
0: fifty something. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, again, this is an inner sanctum mystery, uh, and I think it's important to keep in mind that that these films are meant to be mysteries and not really horror movies. You know, so so they. They orbit on a slightly different axis than than a lot of the other universal stuff but they do have all that that kind of tone of universal uh horror so they kind of they kind of uh, work and obviously all the cast members that we we know from all the uh, the horror films um as usual we have our our intro by our inner sanctum host which uh, the actor's name i i didn't I forgot to look up again and, and can't remember now but um his intro to this I love because he it, it I have a quote, it says, living pulsating flesh, the mind, it destroys, distorts, creates monsters, commits murder. Even you, without knowing, can commit murder. It's, it's really kind of a bit of a segue into, into Ed Wood, though. Speaking of Ed Wood, you know, it's like the, the future events like this will affect you in the future. You know, it's a little bit. Yes.
1: And <laughs> should be noted, too, this is the first inner sanctum. So this is the first this uh, was the first one they did. That's right. And this is the first one they did after buying the the rights from from Simon and Schuster and I think that they still even though they bought the rights for like the name, you know, they still right. I think had to take some care to not mimic too much the popular radio series that was I think via I want to say NBC, but I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, they had to blaze their own kind of Yeah. format a, a bit, right? Um and this was just to recap everybody, in case you haven't heard the other uh, Intersection episodes. This was this is this was sort of a Lon Chaney Jr. pet project, right? This is him getting to uh, do some do some stuff for Universal while he's still doing. Because in the same year he does this, he does I think Ghost of Frankenstein and Son of Dracula, if I'm not mistaken. He, he had a, um, yeah, very busy 1943. In fact, I think we've talked about this before. Um, I mean, yeah, 41, 42, 40, especially 42, 43, 44 are really busy for me. He does all these inner sanctums. He does all the, he plays all the monsters, basically. He does play all the monsters in, well, not all,
1: most of them in 1943. Well, uh, the monster, the Frankenstein's monster, he did in 42,
0: but. 42, um, okay. And then ghost, or uh, yeah, and, th- and then does the mummy, right?
1: Yeah, he does. So the mummy's ghost, I believe, is in 43. That might've been 44 as well. But um, he is he quite the busy the busy man. Yes, in 1942, 1943, um, he did The Wolf Man in 41. He does he does the sequel in 43. For Frankenstein meets That's the right. Wolf Man. He does Son of Dracula. Um, so just looking up some of his credits, it, Frankenstein meets the Wolf Man um he did some non-horror films like Frontier Badman, Crazy House. Yeah, he did
0: some western type stuff, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Son of Dracula, Calling Dr. Death. Um and then it leads into the some of the mummy movies. So Ghost of Frankenstein, Mummy's Tomb, he he completed in 1942.
0: He did, right around this time he does it maybe it's right before, maybe it's 1940, he does 1 Million BC, which uh he plays like a caveman. And I've never seen that version of the movie, the 19, I think it's 40, 41, whatever. Um, and it's in color and I, I'm dying to check it out. I was just watching like the trailer for it and I was looking up Lon Chaney and he, I just, I'd like to see him play a a caveman. First of all, I think that'd be fun. And I feel, yeah. I feel like he's well suited for that. You know? <laughs> I think he'll, he'll carry it. Um, Victor Mature, I think, is the, the lead in that. Um, anyway, so, so he's very busy, but he's, he's also doing all these all these roles with heavy makeup. Um, with the exception of Dracula, it, it obviously the Frankenstein monster, the Mummy, the Wolf Man, um, and and you know buried buried under all that latex and 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 grease paint. Um, so these were a chance for him to play just do do character bits, almost like you know. I was I was saying in one of our other other episodes on Inner Sanctum, right? Like like these are really like almost like filmed stage plays. They're very uh, little little theatrical pieces presented for your you know. Enjoyment and education, um, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and and they work really well. At, if you think of them like that, they work. They work very well. Um, these little dramatic presentations. Um,
1: but yeah, uh, no, I mean,
0: you're <clears throat> to your to your earlier point,
1: uh, you know, and we've we've mentioned this several times in the the show before. Just nobody realized. It, 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 I think nobody realized at the time they were making any of these movies, whether it was the original Frankenstein mm. or whether it's the, you know, fourth inner sanctum movie, nobody realized that we'd be here 90 years later. Yes. You know, talking <laughs> about them. So I, I, Lon Chaney jr. Uh, was, well, th- he certainly was enjoying the stardom and he was one of, if not the most popular star that universal had outside right. of Abbott and Costello in the early forties. Um, he wanted to do different things, you know, he didn't necessarily care for the eight hour makeup jobs of the mummy or Frankenstein's monster or the wolf man. Yes, of course he didn't necessarily, I know he did not like doing all of these, with the exception of the wolf man, all of these characters for the second time around, which, you know, comes with all the comparisons Mm -hmm. to Karloff and Lugosi while also dealing with the comparisons to his own father you know, there's there's yeah. there's some yeah, exactly. psych- psychology bits that you could spend some still, time still emerging there. out yeah. in the shadow of of, <laughs> um, of dad, of yeah. course. So uh, you know, he he wanted to do just d- different different things, and this was Universal's way to appease him, um, while yeah. also still being able to market his name, the Lon Chaney name, as horror. I mean, yeah. I, and every single one of these inner sanctums you know we're on a double bill with a horror movie. This one was on a double bill with The Mad Ghoul, which came out, you know, just before or was produced just before uh Calling Dr. Death. And I think yeah. it's it's interesting because every one of these movies with the exception of Weird Woman, which does have supernatural elements to it, but every other one of these movies is not horror movies at all. It's it's melodramas and thrillers yeah. and it's just there's nothing there's no monsters here you
0: know <laughs> no no exactly they're, they're just just the human type yes um uh so uh yeah an inner sanctum and even says that universe presents an inner sanctum mystery um uh again uh plays dr mark Steele and he's a neurologist uh slash hypnotist really um uh, he studies the human mind, and he seems to have he has a, like a small practice where he he does therapy for people. And we start off um, with a uh, shot of a metronome going back forth, back forth. <laughs> and Lon Cheney is working with this young patient named Marion. Lon Chaney. Dr. Mark Steele is working with this young patient named Marion, who can't speak. And uh, when he talks to her parents, who who seem to be kind of German immigrant type people, um, uh, they're saying, "Well, you know, she she." there was this, she, she does say this one where she says a man's, a boy's name and they, they say, well, she, Frank. there was this boy, but she, Frank, is it Frank? What is it? I thought it was Frank. 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 I could be making, making that Frank. up, but yeah. <laughs> Mark. Mark. I don't know. It's a dude. Um, uh, and, and it seems that it was the parents Jim. didn't think it appreciate it. <laughs> it was Jim. Well, that, that explains a lot. Jeez. Um, my high school girlfriend in therapy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you could no longer speak. we no. we don't like, we don't like that boyfriend. Yeah. yeah. Um, the parents don't like the boyfriend and they made them break up. They made them break it off. And, and the girl, um, uh, supposedly was drinking and, 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 you know, got upset and, and drove her car off a thing and had an injury. And, and, but, but the whole time, Dr. Steele's sort of positing that, that, the, 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 thing keeping her from speaking isn't physical, it's psychological. Um, she obviously really likes this boy and, and having, being forced away from him caused like some damage. And he, he, basically orders the parents like just get them back together and see what happens. Like, like, you know, this is, this is her life. Da, da, da. So, it, you know, it's, it establishes Dr. Steele first off as this very willful, uh, learned man who has no trouble. And, and, and he goes into a, a monologue pretty soon talking about this. He has, no, he has no trouble helping other people with their problems and trying to solve their issues. Um, but he's incapable of turning that power back on his own life. Cause he, as he yeah. says, his own life, his marriage is a failure. His wife, Maria hates him and she just goes and does what she wants. He hates, he doesn't want to go home to her. He's just he's miserable. He's absolutely miserable, uh, in his marriage. He, he, he thought he married one person and turns out he married somebody different. It seems so there we have that. Um, uh, he's he's assisted by his is his uh nurse assistant uh, uh stella uh here uh, in this scene too so um we oh and, and when he tries to uh, when when he tries to wake up the girl he just slaps her which yeah he does maybe it, maybe it not hard but not super soft it's not a tap it's a little bit of a hey wake up i've never seen a hypnotist do that before that's new to me um uh really funny so um i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure the one guy who plays the german uh father is in casablanca but i'm not i could i wouldn't swear to that but i'm pretty sure his voice sounds familiar um uh so this establishes our our situation you know a successful wealthy doctor with a wife he he i i guess i guess in the old days you would have said you can't control her but really they just they're in a bad marriage um (laughs) And we go right into a, a interior monologue. An internal monologue. Which these these films are kind of famous, slash, infamous for, I guess. Uh the these long things. And this one goes on quite a bit. <laughs> um It does. Chaney Cheney Cheney voiceovering his own his own internal thoughts. And it it's it's inter- it's an interesting technique. It does set these movies out from other films of their their kind and, and era, but but man, it really goes on.
1: It does, um, and you know, I I know there's been some back and forth and some discussion, and even an account or two of of, and I can't remember who it may have been um, Dean, the the scriptwriter, but who had said that that Cheney really pushed for you know some of the stuff to be kind of in the in the soundtrack to be a, a monologue scene, and then there's mm-hmm. uh, you know kind of speculation about oh well he couldn't say the words or he couldn't remember the words and things like that. And and I, I don't I mean clearly as everyone knows I'm biased when it comes to, to the defense yes. of this man. But um <clears throat> you know I do not I d I don't I don't think that's really the case. Um I don't doubt that he may have pushed for it to 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 be part of the soundtrack. Um it also Reginald LeBorg had said that Ben Pivar had also pushed for the same thing just for his own reasons, you know, outside of anything. Well, that's to do interesting. With but yeah. I think if you, I mean, remember all of these movies, all of these inner to movies, these are produced in the, the factory years at Universal. And so they're just real quick, you know, three week, right. You know, t- turnaround time, um if not shorter than that. And so if you look at the care, just in the scene that we're talking about here, where Mark is is doing this inner monologue in the way that uh, the way that it's directed and shot to where you you see all of Cheney's facial expressions at the exact right time. You even see mm-hmm. uh, Stella walk in and kind of look at over his way at the exact right time. So clearly, it's been it's been blocked out. It's been planned out. It, it's, in, oh, oh, I it, mean, it was intended to be it, yeah, this way. Exactly. Yeah, with this so that's for sure. Yeah. It, you yeah. know, I don't think it's, it was,
0: it wasn't a fix they had to do. Yeah. Like sometimes yeah, it, a voiceover. It, this is,
1: isn't uh, is, Oh, Lon
0: Chaney can't say these big words, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't that at all. Yeah. It's more of, I think that's just ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think Lon Chaney gets to be Lon Chaney without being able to memorize freaking dialogue. I mean, you know, um, uh, I mean but as to your point like yeah these these are these these movies are made very quickly he's doing all these other movies too i mean there's there is limited amount of time for him to actually memorize dialogue though i mean he's working hard and fast and i've worked on productions where the the pace of the production just outpaces the you know even really good actors ability to to take the time to memorize dialogue and get get off script as we say so you end up with cue cards you end up with stuff Does soap operas use soap operas use cue cards not because that as soap opera actors can't memorize dialogue, they use cue cards because they're shooting five hours worth of television or, you know, whatever, two and a half hours of television a week. They're shooting every single day and, you know, and, and the, the pace just outstrips any, almost any human's ability to memorize dialogue. Um, I, I my thing about, you know, I, I thought in weird woman, I thought the, the voiceover worked really well and I think it works pretty well here, but it's funny. I'm, you know, I was thought, thinking about it watch, when I was watching this last night, making my notes, and I'm, I'm watching it now. It, it does seem like almost everything that Lon Chaney's character is telling us in the voiceover, we could almost infer and establish based on his performance and maybe some of the dialogue in the thing. You quickly can understand that his 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 marriage is not good, and you know the, we see pretty soon the you know the, the way he and his wife interrelate. So, you know, I have no problem with the voiceover dialogue. But when when you get the voice over dialogue and then and then you just have drama that shows you that the dialogue was right, it it, start, it does start seeming a little unnecessary sometimes. Sometimes, um, yes. But but yeah. Um I'm just saying, like I think Lon Cheney was a good enough actor that maybe he didn't need this this much. But again, it's it's the style of this this uh you know, this 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 production. Um Yeah, I think it also we, goes back
1: to the radio show. I mean I I don't think oh, that, oh, yeah. that us watching these movies all these years later, really necessarily understand how popular that was, and yes. so that's why a lot of these movies rely heavily, I think, on sound and on mm-hmm. these long, drawn out kind of monologue types. Because if you're going to watch, or sorry, if you're going to listen to the radio
0: show, that's exactly what you're going to hear. <laughs> so I think you're not going to be able to get your cues from the performance right. as much because you're not, you can't see it. Of course, you're totally right. You're totally right. Yeah, and I, maybe that is a way that they. The idea was that I was mimicking this. That like, you're absolutely. That's a great point. Absolutely. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, we quickly established that there is definitely uh, some sexual tension between Mark and his nurse assistant, Stella. Um, well, I mean, you know, they have- they <laughs> shake hands and he says it too. He's like, you know, she's so beautiful. I wish I could just be with her and not my wife. My wife sucks. You know, duh, duh, duh. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> somehow um, he he was. I mean as
1: as we we'll find out at the end of the movie he clearly does not know how to pick a a good and decent woman but he does know how to pick a very good looking woman.
0: <laughs> he does. He does. He's got good taste and I, I I wanted to talk about that in a minute about uh the casting this. but this is where we we get to uh, see have a little bit of time with with uh uh Patricia Morrison Stella Madden um mm-hmm. uh she is she's she's wonderfully Put together as a woman, she's got incredible looking eyes. The, you know. Oh yeah. Um, god, yes. <laughs> so, so we assume everybody that if we're talking about this movie that that you've seen the film and anything we say isn't going to spoil anything. Um, but I do know some people watch these movies and then or what, listen to the episodes and then watch a movie uh, based on this recommendation. And that, if that works for you, great. Uh, but we are going to spoil some stuff. So I guess this you know right from the start alert, since yeah. we're talking about here's your here is your spoiler alert is is Stella is the villain in the piece. Stella is the one who is trying to, you know, who ends up killing his wife and who ends up uh, having to be tricked into, into confessing to the murder the whole time. And so, and I think we need to get out of the way so that we can, you know, sort of talk about how the thing is constructed as we move forward. Um, I think, I think Patricia Morrison has a little bit of a beautiful coldness about her that makes her very well cast in, in this role. Uh, But she's so, you know, it's based on, on the era. She's she's subservient to him. She's his employee. She's his, you know. So I don't know if an audience at the time would have immediately suspected this her being this kind of femme fatale that she ends up being. But, you know. But they didn't see her with their hair down. And if they had, they would know that because Patricia yeah. Morrison was yeah. famous for having. A, I'm not sure still at this point if she still had that hair that long. But she at one point she had incredibly long like waist length hair mm-hmm. and was quite well known for it.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, uh, it, I, I
0: posted you, some photos of her uh, even last night on the podcast, yeah. on the uh, on the uh, the uh, show's uh, Instagram and Facebook pages. Because
1: and a lot of, that's of what you scenes. do when you find a photo like yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> some of the scenes that uh, that she's in here, especially when she's in her nurse, you know, get up. Her mm-hmm. hair is like it's you can tell it's very long just with how much of it is there as it's put up.
0: They're 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 having to shove it up and tuck it and stuff like uh, that. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Up speaking
1: there. of longer hair. For whatever reason, the the studio felt that Lon Chaney Jr. had needed a more uh, volume, I guess, to his hair. He's actually wearing in most of the Inner Sanctums, he's wearing a, a hairpiece here just to add yeah. add to hair that he he already had.
0: Add some loft, yeah. Because in the you know even in back in forty one in in. in uh, Wolfman, when he, his hair is usually mostly slicked back as Larry Talbot, yeah. and it's pretty flat. It's a yeah, exactly. I mean he's got a full head of hair, but it's it's not you're right. He's got he's got more quaff uh, uh over here. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so Dr. Mark Steele does what he doesn't want to do is and go home. But when he goes home, he finds that his wife his wife's not there and he's eating dinner by himself being served by Bryant the Butler, played by Holmes Herbert. Um <laughs> uh who who doesn't know where his wife is um uh maria is his is her name um and he's kind of he, you know he's he, the poor guy is just caught in the middle of this you know bad marriage that just goes on and on and, and the house is not a happy house um we have a we have a little moment of art criticism here where he he's staring across at this sort of slightly modernist painting uh, I guess I guess he probably would have commissioned of Maria, you know, when they got married, and he talks about how he he never really liked m- the more modern style of art, but but he feels like the artist really captured the, like the evil, the, yeah, in her eyes, <laughs> which yeah. is not the th- the cold is not the thing you want to be thinking about about your your partner in in life. So obviously these two, you know, I mean, you know, in a better world these two would have worked this out and separated or or done something, you know, but obviously. Uh, it, it doesn't go that way. It goes. It goes badly. Um, we go to late later that night when Doctor Mark is is is, uh, is reading and uh, and I have a note about the just the sheer amount of time Lon Chaney spends in his pajamas in the, in these <laughs> yeah. uh, Inner Sanctum movies. He really does. There's quite a lot of time in his robe and in PJs. It's um, funny uh, and the mustache, of course. So the mustache is he has he has a mustache in all the. Inter Sanctums, Livio, or most of, most of them, at least. I think all of them. Yeah, because this was the
1: mustache era. It was um, the where if if he's a, if he's a good guy, he's going to wear a mustache, even in House of Dracula when he becomes. That that's
0: the, right. That's what, how we figured. We I knew we'd figure this out. Yeah, he's when he's a good guy, he's got a mustache, and when yes. he's a bad, when he's going to play a monster, he has no mustache. He's clean right. Okay, yes, that's right. Good call. Good call. Um, <laughs> except for Mice and Man, obviously he has no mustache, but that was earlier than this. Um, uh, he's so distracted. He he actually calls Stella at 3 a.m. Uh, and wakes her up uh, asking her, you know, I mean, almost making up a reason to have, have called her. And then he, you know, hangs up and apologizes and, you know, realizes he didn't have time. But but he's waiting up because Maria still was not home at 3 a.m. Yeah. And I think he's, I think he just wants to talk to somebody. Poor guy. Um, you know, I, I think, I mean, the films play on Cheney's innate ability to, to be likable and sympathetic. And, and I just ran, I think, I think it was Ian Bates, uh, over on Instagram, uh, or universal monsters universe, uh, just, just posted, a uh, something about a quote by him about saying like, you know, the reason all these universal monsters work. And again, you know, I always say this too, is, is because they're all, they're all likable they're they're all sympathetic the, the frankenstein monster the we always say like you know even the mummy you know it doesn't mean to be what he is the creature from la cucoon we we talk about it like they're all sympathetic except for dracula of course who's just kind of a douche but you know um, <laughs> but he looks just, good so we are fine does with does what it. he does yeah. <laughs> you're right you're right we we give him but it's Lugosi, so we give him a pass yeah. um but but you know the the this, this these films only work if whatever character change is playing you, you got to kind of care about and root for If you're just thinking he's a jerk or something and, and you know, you're, you're not going to invest emotionally into the, into the story. So, you know, I, I just, my, my thing is like, I don't know if, you know, you know, Karloff, while he was always really sympathetic to the monster, whenever Karloff plays, he, you know, humans, it's, he quite often is not as, not as, as sympathetic. You know, he really, he could play some cold, really gnarly bad guys, like in, you know, uh, a black cat or or, or elsewhere. So um, I just think, I think Chain Chain is the perfect, while he's not the most respected of maybe the top three or four universal monster actors, I do think, you know, he pulls this off when not everyone else could have. Um, Finally, uh, Maria shows up and she shows up being driven home by another man and and giving him a kiss and everything coming in. And there's going to be a a final, there's going to be obviously a confrontation where you know, she comes in and she sort of challenges him, like, "What are you spying on me?" But he's he's in his living room. I don't know if he's really. <laughs> I guess he looked out the window. I don't know. I guess that counts as spying. Yeah, I mean, but she's just, you know, he's
1: her husband. Her husband, who's concerned yeah. that she's not home at three in the morning when she's known to be adulterous, and so waiting up yes. is for her at three a.m. and asking her where she is and what's going on is. I mean, that if that's not no, the classic not case. Not unreasonable. Yeah. Say, so if that's not a classic case of her, you know, turning it around as a manipulation yes, or exactly. you know, narcissism yeah. and, and things like Why that. Why are you being so possessive yeah, about you know. me going out with other men later? Yeah, here's <laughs> a course. picture of you doing something <laughs> terrible. How dare you invade my privacy by taking the picture? What yeah. kind of person are you <laughs> think of, you are?
0: <laughs> of, of, of course. Yeah. Um, and uh it's obviously it, as i said is Ramsey Ames as as his wife Maria um who's who's quite the stunner herself um i think it's a great it was a great idea on somebody's part Reginald LeBorg, somebody you know, Ben Pivar um casting these two actresses Patricia Morrison and, and Ramsey Ames who who physically are actually kind of similar looking you know they obviously both both pretty both brunettes both uh very tall and narrow um <laughs> As you said, like he kind of has a type. Yeah, he does. (laughs) Attractive (laughs) and deadly. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, amoral. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, uh, They really play Maria in her in her brief moments on screen as as just a a bit of a horrendous person. You know, really saying like, "I'm never gonna. You're not going to divorce me. I'm never going to let you go. I've got your money. You know, I need this. Whatever." Like that. She's really. um, They 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 put we we're just talking about being sympathetic they really pushed to make her not sympathetic so you don't you know cuz the whole story pivots on her being murdered and murdered rather gruesomely so i think i think i think the trick of like maybe not being super sympathetic to her makes us able to just deal with the 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 fallout of a murder and not be really thinking how sad it is that she's she's gone cuz she's just kind of an awful person <laughs> She is. <laughs> um, uh, she really dares him to kill her. She's like, "What are you going to do? Murder me?" You, you, she's basically like, "You don't, you don't have the guts. You, you wouldn't do that, you know." Um, uh, but then, you know, as she she goes into her bedroom and passes out, he finally gets up with this. It's a letter opener, I think, and 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 kind of goes in the room, and you can tell he's he's thinking about it. Like he's, uh, uh, Dr. Mark has been pushed to this thing. I just realized there, there's a cockatoo sculpture on the on the desk when he first walks in the room. And then as he's leaning over her and really kind of thinking about doing it, there's a real cockatoo in a cage that, that, that squawks and wakes her up. Um, yeah, again, I don't know what happens to that cockatoo. Uh, (laughs) once she's dead, does she, does someone else get the cockatoo? He doesn't keep, we don't see the cockatoo anymore. I worry about the animals guys. Sorry. Um, (laughs) who knows? Um, but but i think that's a good scene because you see that like at least in some part of his mind dr mark was almost getting pushed to this point so so yeah, of, of you know homicide so when he you know when he blacks out and when he starts wondering if he's pos- possibly he could have done it or not we as the audience are going well i mean he, he seems like he it, it could have happened so i don't know you know, whatever um uh he goes into work the next day and uh tells Aaron and he apologizes again you know about about calling her. And, you know, tells her that, you know, it's, it's over between him and his wife. They had another fight and stuff. And, and he really basically confesses his attraction to her. And she basically, she indicates that she returns the the thing too, but obviously that they can't act on this because he's, he's still married. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I think Stella does, in her actual heart of hearts, I, I think she actually does have a thing for dr mark um but it's sort of buried under the agenda um in, in her in her yeah, kind of that, that's, psyche so yeah and that's that's a good point
1: i mean we would know, we'll talk about it at the very you know in ending scenes here but uh ultimately her her end goal is not necessarily anything nefarious she just she loves the guy and she she wants to be with them it's yeah. just
0: the way that everybody goes about it that's a little not cool right yeah she, she's she's but she's also happy to be stealing money from him, which we find out she's basically she is basically doing too but i almost like the other character that we're gonna meet soon it, it's i think it's almost the thing where it starts off like greed and then it turns into something else um uh so after work he he uh <laughs> lunch and he goes for a drive on on a couple process screens. Um you know he, he he's, he's thinking about her laughing at him and he's thinking about her with the other man and stuff and he's driving. And he almost he almost does the superman thing where he's trying to outrun a train for some reason that he stops he, he stops I guess at the last second before getting run over by, yeah. by the train. He doesn't make it like Clark Kent makes it. Um he basically has and then he basically has the lost weekend. The next time he he is aware of anything. He's at work, uh, sometimes some of of her desk and it's Monday. Um, and Stella's coming in and being like, what, you know, what happened to you? Which spoiler, she knows what happened to him. She does. Totally. Um, uh, he's barely got, gotten cleaned up. Uh, she tells him to go home, but he, whatever. And he's unshaven. And, you know, um, he's cleaning up and two detectives show up asking questions. It turns out that, that Maria, uh has been killed up at their their lodge their their cabin it's basically a big cabin uh up up in the mountains um uh and that they want to talk to her want to want to talk to him about it. bring him bring him they want to bring him in to to look at to see the body and everything um Stella immediately offers him an alibi that and she's like she's like just tell him you're with me the whole weekend it's okay um which is interesting when you know how the movie ends that she was because it it doesn't serve her purposes if he gets arrested for murder right because they're not married or anything you know like she wouldn't she wouldn't get his money and his success and his whatever so i i guess it's in her interest that that he not be blamed yeah. for, for the murder Right. which i don't know who she thought was going to be blamed for the murder now i think about it anyway um we'll get there uh he does finally go up with the cops to the cabin, and here we meet uh, J. Carol Nash's Inspector Greg, who's who's his own little <laughs> bucket of wonder <laughs> right I, I tell you, I, um, if, if
1: there's one character actor that I... that I I realize I say this probably about every person that's in any of these movies, but still, if there's one character actor I really enjoy seeing in these, especially this period, the 40s you know, B-Universals, it's J. Carol Nash, because he's... He's never in, he's hardly, anyways, in the same role, and he just does it so well. He's, yeah, he's, yeah, bounces around. Completely believable whether he's the hunchback assistant to Boris Karloff, who's very sympathetic, you know, or he's this kind of mm-hmm. suave, you know, uh, detective, owner like, of like, a, like he is here. Yeah,
0: detective, or, own, owner of a cosmetics company or whatever. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, in, yeah. there's this slimy, you know, confession. pharmaceutical, you know, person that tries with, to with steal his, people's wives <laughs> yeah, with his with his head in a bag yeah <laughs> it's it's his head in the bag right it when is. He shows up yeah that's what i thought um yeah really good actor uh, a really great range shame about the racism stuff uh i i know recently uh 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 James Hong uh, came out that the elder uh, uh, Chinese American actor who was in big trouble in China and everything came out talking about how he, um, I guess Jerry Nash played Charlie Chan at one point, which first of all, there's that (laughs) Uh, with with his eyelids pulled sideways so that he looked vaguely uh, Asian. Um, And, uh, and James Hong was playing his son, uh, number one, son, or something like that. In, in this, is it a series of movies or something like that? And James Hong recently did an interview. Who's James Hong? Is like ninety something now, talking about how some awful things j Carroll Nash said on set to him when he messed up a line and got him fired and everything. And that's it's it's a shame. I mean, you know, you can say it was the time, but I think obviously there were probably people at the time who rose above the bigotries of the era. But you know, it's what it is. So anyway. Um, that's my spiel on Carl Nash. We did get again, as I always say, my wife and I did get married at a house in in uh, Palm Springs that Carl oh, yeah. Nash used he's to own. Right. So I, I do, that. I do have a connection to the guy. Yeah, yeah. and and yeah. Uh, I mean, you can't deny he was he was he's a great actor, and whenever he shows up, he elevates the thing. You know, he plays just a really, uh, you know, from an audience standpoint, you really don't like him because he keeps badgering, uh, Doctor Mark, about all this. <laughs> about about killing his wife and even though another man eventually gets you know arrested for it um and is even going to the gallows he seems to not want to let up and he keeps saying like i think you did it i think you did it even even towards the end when we realize he never did think he did it it's still he's still tormenting a guy whose wife died so you know it's tough but then i I really like how his story wraps up at the end yeah yeah yeah
1: and Um, also uh and i just learned this from watching uh the Blu-ray of this. So the Blu-ray has a commentary with, uh, Reginald LeBorg's daughter. And oh, neat. J. Carol Nash I was,
0: was actually her godfather. Oh, that's so interesting. Mm-hmm. You can her- see why he, he, he used him because he's in, um, he's in jungle woman as well, which he is LeBorg, yes. uh, directed. Yeah. That makes sense. And, um, um he's, he's quite a good, jungle <laughs> woman.
1: so yeah. Um, and then also, uh, Reginald Borg's future wife, his daughter's future mother, makes a brief appearance in this as well for about all of I don't know 10 15 seconds uh towards the end of the movie. She's she's the blonde who's I believe a switchboard operator. Uh she's oh she's yeah, essentially connecting a call for for one of the main characters, but that's uh Regina Borg is is the his daughter's name who's still alive and and uh, I think she's born after this movie, but um, hmm. her and uh, film historian C Courtney Joiner uh, did a fantastic job on the the Blu Ray release of this. Kind of talking about oh, that's cool. Talking about her dad, I, I was talking like about C Courtney Joyner. Yeah, kind of uh, uh, about stuff. And, that's cool. You know, they talked a lot about Reginald LeBorg and the kind of how he how he handled things, how he his little touches, and how he could try to make nice. You know, a better movie out of what he was getting. And then uh, another right, thing right, too. Right. I, I guess this is good times any to bring it up. And Jim, you could probably identify with this, you know, the good a good director and actor uh, pairing. And, and I think that was mm-hmm. very evident with Lon Chaney Jr. and Reginald DeBorg. Um, yeah. Because, you know, he did The Mummy's Ghost. And I, I would say out of the three mummy movies that Chaney did, that one was the one that he actually showed the most emotion as much as he could. I think so, um, yeah. And then this one here and and – Reginald LeBorg had said that, you know, I, Lon, he, he loved working with Lon Chaney Jr. because Chaney, quote, thought I was somebody that had some talent. And I think Chaney enjoyed yeah. working with, with LeBorg because LeBorg had nothing but the utmost respect for Chaney's father. And those two just, I guess, fed off each other in a very, very positive way. So it was, yeah, I think you can, you can tell the difference if you watch this and maybe one of the later Inner mm-hmm. Sanctums that. LeBorg was not directing in and right you know, you can get i think you can just tell there's a little bit different a little better performance, there's a different vibe yeah yeah from from cheney in this one than some of the others that's interesting
0: yeah i mean i i will say like it's really important to have uh mutual respect between you know going both ways between actor director director actor um and and by the way everybody the actor is now used as a gender neutral thing so when i'm saying actor i also mean female actors slash actresses and stuff we we don't we just call everybody actor at this point so i am i'm not being i'm not being gender specific when i say that um uh it is it's really it is really important and and you can i think i think when there's trust and respect trust is a big thing too when there's trust and respect between the the two um yeah you, you can create you can get things that that a little bit of magic that you can't otherwise. And I always try to, um, try to work with people that, that yeah, who, who I, whom I respect and, and who at least have enough respect for me to, you know, just do what I tell them to. But anyway, no, <laughs> um, that's great. But original board definitely seemed to like keep people close. He seemed to rehire the same actors over and over again. He seemed to work with the same people. So that's, I mean, that's just a good sign that like, you know, if he had that power to, to cast to some degree, which it seems like he, it's almost like he had his own little troop of, talent you know inside the larger universal uh, uh stable um because he does seem to keep working with the same folks again and again but yeah um again there's always there's always this dance in the cinematography in these scenes between j Carroll nash and and lon chaney where there's you know there's there's a there's a there's a good head's worth of height difference between the two um and and you always have these shots that either have to be kind of low angle or high angle it's or if it's a tight two shot to get both them in the frame together um because there's there's a bit of a difference and i don't think they were worried about putting uh putting j nash up on apple boxes or anything um uh so they get to this cabin which uh is a nicely nice piece of set design um where they have (laughs) quick aside i used to work at, at this photo place back when i lived in pittsburgh and my manager my boss uh had a cabin and he would always talk about his cabin. And he'd always talk about how it was made of knotty pine, <laughs> and um, you know, meaning it had the pine has knots and it has little circles and stuff like that. But obviously, you just hear him say "knotty pine" enough, and uh, yeah. And his name, by the way, I'm not I'm not joking, everybody. His name was Dick Johnson. I'm not kidding. Oh uh, Dick gosh. Johnson we're always talking about his knotty <laughs> pine cabin. In any case, the 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 the, the cabin, uh, this lodge up where where the that Dr. Mark Steele has um, is, is very noticeably has knotty pine walls and doors and everything. So that's what I bring that up. <laughs> anyway, a quick aside from that. Um, back to the story where he he's shown his wife um, and Maria not only has been beaten with something hard that has fractured her skull or whatever, mm-hmm. but her face has been burned with acid yeah. horribly beyond recognition. So there's this extra level of, you know, uh venom to the murder right like like and they say like you know uh, someone robbing the place wouldn't have done that they would have just hit her and stolen the place so this is obviously some sort of um crime of crime of you know passion uh and even though even though there's there's very quickly turns out to be a a suspect besides dr Steele. um uh inspector greg never does not believe it for a minute. So he's going to continue on his own investigation. Apparently like, I don't know if his bosses are like, yeah, just keep doing this thing. Even though we have somebody in jail for the crime already. I don't know if, does he not answer to anybody or is he just working on his off time? I don't know. He doesn't seem to respect the rules much because he, he constantly breaks and enters places without (laughs) (laughs) permission. (laughs) He seems to just walk indoors. Um, he's a little bit, he's a little bit like mercurial like that. Anyway. Um, uh, meantime uh uh Dr Steele does find a button on the floor that uh ends up they realize it actually goes to the the sleeve of his his coat so um and he puts in his which i guess too. he's wearing this i guess he's wearing the same coat as he did a couple of days ago because he's still that makes sense because he's he's still like kind of recovering from his lost weekend um yeah one of the, one of the cuffs of this thing is has a button so so this this places him at the scene of the crime. And, you know, that's not good for, for him or his, his psyche. Um, the police catch the man who they think murdered Maria. <laughs> the character's name is Robert Duval, yeah. which is, <laughs> it's a little distracting. It kind of knocks you out of the story a little bit every time they talk about Robert Duvall um, murdering this guy's wife. But, you know, oh well. Who's played by David Bruce, the mad ghoul himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the, the Mad Uh He's in the Mummy's Ghost, and he's also in the Flying Tigers. Oh, um, uh, yeah, did did a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, he really uh, these are the only kind of horror adjacent universals he really did besides Mum, Mummy's Ghost, Mad Ghoul, and that. He he seems to have done a lot more like, uh, mainstream, shall we say, <laughs> like like stuff. Yeah, like Flying Tigers and things like that. I you know, I guess he's is he the young guy in Flying Tigers? I haven't seen Flying Tigers in a long time. My mom used to like that movie uh Duval of course claims he's innocent of murdering her you know he he they arranged a thing where he and and Dr. Steele meet which seems like an irresponsible bit of police work to put the guy who is accused of killing the guy's wife in the same room with the dude cuz <laughs> that seems like that could go badly yeah um but i think it's i think again it's it's, it's inspector greg who's who has like the a, the the intercom on the whole time so he's listening to them talk um you know, trying to work on his, his thing. Um, uh, uh, Stella is al- already like kind of hugging him and calling him, uh, hugging Dr. Steele and calling him darling and stuff. So she's now that his wife's no longer with us, she's, she's sort of wasting no time, you know, moving in. <laughs> um, which obviously is, it must be her, her, uh, her thing. Um, uh, so that yeah, they do meet, and 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 Duvall confesses that yeah, I, yeah, I was having an affair with your wife, um, yeah. and, and he says like you know I wish she was going to leave you, we were going to leave together, and we quarreled, and you know all this stuff, um, but he doesn't he doesn't say anything to him that incriminates himself, but also Doctor Doctor Steele doesn't really believe him. remember remember Doctor Steele's uh he basically is a judge of human behavior, right? I mean this is his occupation, so. I think maybe with the exception of very attractive brunettes, he, where he has maybe a, a bit of a blind spot, um, don't we all? Uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, 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 you know, he's not he's not normally fooled by by somebody's thing. Um, but this is what cracked me up about. You know, the police say like, well, they have they had a report of a guy who who matches Doctor Steele's description leaving the cabin. And and then when you, you see Duvall, you see like he, you know he's not. No one's going to mistake him for, for Lon Chaney. But you know they're both men and they're tall and they have mustaches and the, you know the. Pro- I always talk about the, You know the problem in the nineteen thirties and forties is like, if you, if the police put out a bulletin for a guy, they're like, look out! There's a guy in a suit wearing a hat. Yeah, suit to <laughs> like that's hat. with short Mustache. hair. Like that's yeah. everybody. Like it's not until the 60s or something, right? Where, where, where men start maybe in, in modern American times, at least like start displaying a certain amount of non-uniformity of their, their thing. I don't, I don't know how the police ever caught anybody. <laughs> even, even, even Inspector Greg, J.K. Nash's character is like in a suit with a little mustache the, you know, it's just the style at the time, but you know, it's like, it's like in the 1980s, like suspects wearing Air Jordans, <laughs> you yeah, know, like, I don't know. Doesn't help. Um. Uh Dr. Mark is visited by Mrs. Duval, uh uh Ro- Robert Duval's wife, uh, who's in a wheelchair, uh, which is sort of the result of a fight with her husband over over him leaving her, and she tried to chase him down some stairs and fell and became paralyzed. Uh, she's played by Faye Helm from The Wolfman. Yeah. And Night Monster. And Night Monster, yeah. You know, you know, I was watching this and I was watching her talk, and like there was a minute where I was like, Wait, I know her. I can't place her. And there she is. She, she looks different in, you know, she pops up in a lot of things and she looks different in Wolfman somehow than she does in most other things that her hair was darker or she did something else or something, but, but her voice is very, she has a sort of a distinct, I don't know if it's a mid Atlantic accent or she has something like that. And, and she, uh, you just, it's so interesting they're, they're here they are doing the scene like two years after, you know, he, he tried to come to her rescue and in the clubbed Bella yeah. Lugosi with a, with a stick. Yeah. You know,
1: And uh, this is what happened. She can't use her legs anymore. (laughs)
0: That's right. Yeah, exactly. Bella Gussie, bit her. Here's our first... I mean, I I, I like there's a moment where they give you like where Stella doesn't seem to want to leave them alone. Um, Because as we will find out that she was in league with Robert Duvall. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) I'm just imagining like, you know, in The Godfather or falling down um yeah uh, she was in league with Robert Duval, so I you know Stella's a little bit worried that what what does Mrs. Duval know and what is she going to tell Dr. Dr. Mark because here we go I'm going to keep calling him Dr. Mark because I actually have a chiropractor named Dr. Mark and it just seems to <laughs> so it seems to fit is that I'm better than Dr. Steele Dr. Steele um, see, I actually have I actually have a great grandfather named Steele, so Samuel oh. Steele, spelled the same way with an e. So mm. there we go. See, for, for me, I okay. I can't help whenever I have a character that's named as a last name is Steele.
1: I think of the Livio Marino. Well, no, I think of the, the 1996 cinematic cinematic masterpiece There's the movie called Spy Hard with Leslie Nielsen, where his character's name oh, okay. was Agent WD Forty Dick Steele. <laughs>
0: <laughs> see, <laughs> see. There you go, brilliant, brilliant. Um, I thought you were going to say the the famous Steel uh, movie where uh, what was it? Shaquille O'Neal played Superman, uh, the the Steel version of him after he dies in the comics. Oh gosh, is that called Steel? <laughs> I think it is. If that, if you missed that, that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> don't run out. Um, uh, so Duvall is convicted. Uh, you, you know, um, uh, Doctor Mark is very nice with with. Duvall's wife and and offers to you know keep her posted and help her and stuff and he he is he's he's tormented because at this point he doesn't know if maybe he killed her or not he's got this detective saying to him like "No, no no you you killed her i know you did so that doesn't help um uh he uh and then meanwhile there's this guy who's who's been convicted of killing of killing his wife um who he's yeah he's far he's far from convinced that guy's you know based on talking to him he's far he doesn't think that guy's totally leveling with him but he also seems to not really believe that he's uh things so so he's it's it's this again we talk about this like inner nobility that that cheney brings to this character is that um i mean he's less upset about his wife being dead frankly because again <laughs> kind of an awful person he ready right. to move on um, with, yeah yeah um but, but, but it's also, I think he feels a little weird about moving on so quickly with, with, uh, Stella, who, who he obviously is attracted to. Um, but he's also tormented by the idea that maybe a man is going to go to the gallows or the lecture chair or whatever it is in, in this case, um, in his, in, in, in his place when he, it should be him. You know, he, he feels, uh, uh, you know, culpable or guilty, and and it's it's tormenting him, and and that gives Lon Cheney a chance to do maybe what he does better than anybody else in in this era of movies is is play a guy who's tormented because he's just yes. he's he really he, it was just his bread and butter, and just as as Larry Talbot or or what have you, you know, just that the 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 grimace on his face, he really that guy could grimace like very few other actors, um, you know, this big strong man. Who who could convey inner inner turmoil and weakness and fear, you know, and 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 conflict, uh, and, and had no trouble, you know, in an era where men were leading men like John Wayne and what have you and stuff, um, uh, Bogart and 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 everybody, uh, he could he could play these these are really sensitive characters, these are really thoughtful, three dimensional sensitive characters that Cheney would play, and again, like you said, like I think I think these movies, Livio gave him a chance to do that. Yeah. Whereas, you know, <laughs> son of Dracula, not so much. He's just playing, he's playing a boogeyman, right? Right. He's he's an yeah, iconic boogeyman, but yeah, nevertheless,
1: he's, he's literally a a green face painted, you know, vampire in that, in that movie. Yeah. And does, does not get a lot of range and, and kind of no, doesn't no. satisfy his, his acting desires.
0: Yeah. He has, he has one objective and that's, that's kind of it. Yeah. So, um, so, uh, you know they're 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 really, you know, tormented about this. Um he they I think that it's like the night of are we there yet where it's the night that that that, that Duval's going to get uh convicted um yeah, or executed I or think, he's convicted yeah. or executed. Yeah, he's already been convicted. And and <laughs> um Mark Mark decides like like let's, you know, I can't focus on anything. Let's go out. So he decides to go out with with Stella and who if they ever got married, I guess would become Stella Steele. Okay. <laughs> they should have done the spin-off. You know. <laughs> it's it. it sounds that sounds like a character. Yeah, yeah. 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 It sounds Steele. like a Marvel Comics character, frankly. Mark. Some, and something Stella like Stanley. Steel, have, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the alliteration, Stella Steele as. Um uh they decide they're gonna go out and they're gonna just, you know, try to not focus on 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 what's happening here um so you know uh they 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 go out to for food and they go see a show and they whoever and and it's a funny little (laughs) sequence where they're just they're just miserable miserable the whole time They're, they're 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 sort of on their first date i guess is what we're supposed to kind of think of this um uh uh and they're just they're just like tormented um Oh, it, I'm sorry. I'm I'm jumping in. Before this um we're not there yet. Um Mark decides he's going to go under hypnosis. He's going to hypnotize himself. Um well, That's right. Yeah. Uh that And and, and um that in the office burning and have, we have about Stella that. do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're way I'm way ahead of myself. I don't know. Um Jim's ready to start uh, his Christmas vacation. That's what it is. Right? <laughs> Too much eggnog, obviously. Um <laughs> Uh, um, because he has to know, he has to know if he did it or not, and we have a great scene where Stella's standing there hypnotizing him, like aiding him in hypnotizing himself. Um, and the, the you see, you see, he's lit by this one light, and and then there's just the silhouette of the metronome going back and forth across his face. Which, if you turn around and see the shot of how it's standing, there's no light shining behind the metronome. And the metronome itself actually has a light on it, so it wouldn't really cast a shadow on his face so this is one of those instances where like you know the logic of the lighting breaks down but the effect of it is so wonderful where you see that shadow crossing his face back and forth it's just wonderful um, so he goes d- deep into hypnosis and Stella starts a record uh, a recording she has like a stylist that actually records the record that makes the, the little grooves in the, in the vinyl uh, based on his vibration uh, of his voice Um, and, you know, it, it, it goes on and the next time we see it, it's, it's already recorded and it's created all the little divots in the wax. Um, and it, it turns out that, you know, uh, uh, Mark Steele just remembers going to the cabin and arguing with her and her being Maria and Maria being unreasonable and leaving him and stuff. And, um, Inspector Greg like comes in again, unannounced, like uninvited, which, I'm pretty sure in 1943 even cops weren't allowed to do that. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know, depends. Um uh um that that you know uh even under hypnosis it, he, Dr. Steele's what am I trying to say? Dr. Steele's like story holds up. Like he he's able to remember something of what happened during that weekend which he wasn't before, but um but he doesn't confess to anything uh uh you know you know a uh, 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 nefarious or anything so this helps him i think maybe convince himself a little bit that that okay maybe i didn't do it but then inspector gregg immediately comes out him like well you're a student of the mind like you could probably convince yourself that <laughs> you could probably like train yourself to not confess even under hypnosis so so he immediately like shuts down his he almost had it, you know. He almost had like a, a get it out of jail free card, and and Greg just kiboshes it right from the start, which and sets him back to to zero, which which really is a blow. It is. <laughs> um, uh, Duval was denied his reprieve. Um, uh, okay, so this is when they go out, right? Yes. I Drinking. So, yeah. Okay, I I, I skipped that. Okay, here we go. Um, we, we have the we the going out and and the the most unenjoyable date in the world uh montage <laughs> they're just not having a lot of fun um and this is really a um you know this does
1: part of part of what the reasons that i really like this movie so much is that <clears throat> the way that it's shot with the like the, the shadows and like the just the black darkness yeah. in the background but then like the illumination of someone's face or just a singular object you see it when uh steel hypnotizes himself mm-hmm. because i mean everything is black around him and yeah. you you see it a lot as we start this sequence of kind of their date and especially af- after the date when they go back to back to the office and it is just yeah it, yeah it, yeah, it yeah. is so so wonderfully done. I think it's just, it really st- stood out to me.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, it's so much, I, we've talked about this. I think we talked about this in one of the, the invisible man moves, how like, you know, the, the thirties films, and I think some of it's based on the the, 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 the actual chemical makeup of the film they were using, the stock they're shooting on versus thirties versus forties, um, maybe advances in lighting and maybe just a little more hurried production. Um, you know, the films have, that we, we really identify with the 1930s, like Dracula, Frankenstein, also Black Hat, uh, are, are so black and white. And when I say black and white, they're really high key. There's there's lots of black, there's lots of white, and some gray. And you get into these 40s movies, especially from Universal and elsewhere, um, and they get very gray. There's, there's all these shit tones of gray, and there's yeah. not the contrast that we associate with the more gothic, you know, 30s style. Uh, films even king kong um is like that um what they call the chiaroscuro um but in this like like it's nice that they get certain instances in in this film val luton does it great in the 1940s obviously as well um where they find ways like the the hypnosis setup where all the lights have to be off and there's one harsh light and they find ways to sort of justify that really high key lighting and remind you that what you're watching is you know of the of the mood of what you're you know they're trying to convey and stuff it's really nice um they do they do have their moments uh as fast as these were filmed you're absolutely right and i again that's you know that's reginald laborg just taking a minute and elevating it as as you know as much as he can given the budget time constraints what yeah. have you um uh he uh backing up again yeah steel does go visit duval on death row and Duvall does confess like, like Steele knew he was holding back something. Duvall confesses that, um, he was using her for money, uh, Maria, and they were, they were basically stealing money from, from, from steel. Uh, um, uh, but then he actually did fall for her and they argued at the, at the thing. And, 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 you know, that this is, you know, but he's still maintaining that, that he's innocent. Um, uh, This is where they they, okay. So they do go up to the trip up north before this. That, okay, so th- there's this. Sorry, guys. <laughs> we'll get there. Um, uh, there's a whole bit where Mark wants to go up to the cabin for a couple of days and fish and get away from from stuff. Um, Stella has family or something that she's supposed to go visit, but it's kind of on the way. So there's sort of a weird. Maybe I have trouble remembering this because the whole plot is a little awkward. But um, they they basically drive up together, and then she takes a train on to visit her family while he goes to the cabin for a couple of days, apparently, because he wants to hang out in the cabin where his wife was burned with acid. Apparently, as one, would. um, <laughs> yeah, As one does. Right. <laughs> well, he didn't like her, so um, yeah. <laughs> And then and then it's like he gets back, and she gets back right on the heels of it. But he's taking this car back, and she's taking the train, and that does play in. Uh, importantly because on on the train there's a stop um and that's significant because when when mark gets back he finds there's been a fire at his at his office and the file cabinet that keeps all his records uh (laughs) like like they notably say uh uh, his canceled checks (laughs) um uh has has been um has been has been burned uh and all his records are destroyed now he's He's already said, like I, I think he wants Stella to to stop being his assistant, and he's going to hire somebody. And I guess Stella's moving on to just being his significant other, <laughs> um, uh, or else she's gonna, she's going to do just more. I I guess she's not going to do the clerical work anymore. I think she's going to just do uh, whatever because because now that he doesn't have his wife laundering his money away, he has more money to spend on staff. So. One less problem, right? Uh, <laughs> huh. um, yeah, again, I have a note that she's very quickly, you know, started to refer to him as darling and stuff. She's really, like, latched into into him now. And, you know, Mark's natural affection for her is now there's no impediment and now it's it's growing. But I don't know, was this, was her, was the whole thing about her not being able to stay in the cabin with him just a censor thing that they had to appease Somebody because they they couldn't in 1943 they couldn't have had these two just go up and stay in a cabin together when they're not married because obviously that would have offended <laughs> yeah every everybody, everybody yeah. I, apparently I don't know or or or, or enough people that it would have caused problems it it definitely would have been shown in um in England they would have it would have caught uh caught up with the censors there and and at one hour almost I think the movie's like an hour six minutes long or something like that they did they could not afford to have anything cut out it would end up being like a short subject so um. Yeah, I, I I get the feeling that kind of slightly convoluted thing might have something to do with with that as well, um, but the trip is basically to get away from all this again, and they come back, and and yeah, his fire's been over. Um, Greg, Inspector Greg, is obviously there again, yes, as, as per usual, um, and he thinks Steele could have could have said it. There's there's an acid little switch thing right in the phone. Box that when someone would have made a long distance call apparently would break and and set, set something on fire. I'm not actually sure how that works, but okay, um, it works. It yeah. works. <laughs> it works. Um, uh, so he's he's curious uh, who would have made a long distance call because apparently apparently I guess if you if you made a local call it wouldn't go through that, but only if you made a long distance call. Who knows? Um, so he calls the The operator to try and see who made a long distance call, and here's where we have, I guess, as you said, this is Reginald LeBorg's uh, future wife would yeah. soon soon to be wife uh, here in this role. That's great. Good job. I try and get my wife in my films, and she doesn't want to. She doesn't want to do it. <laughs> she 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 grew up in L.A. She doesn't want to. She doesn't want to act in my little small budget deal. She's she's waiting for me to go big. Oh, um, I see. Well, okay. <laughs> um, so he calls, and and yeah, it it's is it silver springs or victoria springs or where wherever spring lake spring um uh he he finds that that uh he finds that the call came from spring is is spring lake and and then we've established that that uh uh stella stopped at spring lake at some point to read to get a magazine or something when she's on the train so you know we're slowly it's I think I think I think the idea is we're supposed to be we're a little we think we're a little ahead of Dr. Mark in starting to suspect Stella but it turns out Dr. Mark is a little there too. He's he's started to he he's obviously uh, further ahead than he's letting on because I think he's starting to uh to uh figure out. Yeah, the future M- Mrs. Reginald LeBorg is quite quite comely. I don't I'm not, <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> um I guess there's a bit of a misdirection where where he gets a match from from uh Dr. Steele and and it also says Spring Lake on yeah. it. I'm not sure what that's Yeah, about.
1: I I, I kind of think these are like attributed to maybe one too many little red herrings of uh, Yeah,
0: yeah, it's a little like I guess maybe to keep the idea that, you know, maybe maybe he's still a a a, a, a suspect. Yeah, because um,
1: the the you know, the, the audience watching this Movie for the first time has still has the first time, yeah. N- no indication that Stella is anything but yeah. just a, an unfortunate love interest of, of Lon Chaney. It's right still very possible that he killed his wife,
0: yes. Which is so, so the villain of Weird Woman turns out to be Evelyn Anchors. El- Evelyn Anchors, the villain in this turns out to be a woman, the villain in no strange confession there. The, the strange question was uh j carol nash however Chaney's wife didn't nash, necessarily yeah. do him any favors by continually going out with a guy well, that's anyways. right that's right she kind of like <laughs> yeah yeah it didn't help him like yeah. that I, I mean i'm hoping there's not i now i haven't actually seen frozen ghost or uh pillow of dead death. man's eyes pillow of death um i haven't actually watched those in a long time so i'm not sure i'm just hoping there's not this like misogynist trend in these movies where it's always the woman's fault <laughs> we'll see We'll find out when we get there. Um, it doesn't seem like is the villain in any of these. I mean, I don't think he's here to be the villain. I think he's here to be like this conflicted character, but we'll see. Um, I'll find out along with everyone else because, again, I don't, I don't remember. Um, uh, this is, okay, we're <laughs> post-fire, uh, post... And, and obviously, Stella set this fire... While they were gone, so she wouldn't be suspicious. But suppose she thought she wouldn't be suspected. But it's to destroy the records because we're going to find out pretty soon that she and Duval were in cahoots and they were they they were together working to get kind of from opposite ends. It's like she was working Mark and he was working Maria, um, yes, as a, as a team to kind of get their money away from them. And she was. He, she was paying them off, and then Stella was hiding the receipts of the checks. Apparently, I guess I don't know, or or just making him sign checks and not telling him what they were for. But they ended up with like ten thousand dollars, um, uh, you know, t- taken from Mark, which is I don't know what ten thousand dollars is today, and from nineteen forty-three money. But oh, I'm sure it's a lot. Uh, yeah. I mean, ten thousand dollars is a lot today. So whatever. Yes. <laughs> Crappy. He's he's obviously really successful. I mean. We've only seen him treat one patient this whole time, but you know, okay.
1: Well, hypnotism was um, uh, apparently a expensive and b in demand in 1943. Yes, yes.
0: Well, you know, yeah, hypnotist, right? It would have been it would have been kind of a, a rarity, I think. He's he's a specialist; he could probably charge what he wants. Um, uh, so. You know, uh, this is, okay, finally we're at a point. And thank you, everybody, for bearing with me where I get this story mixed up. I usually am pretty good about this, but I only really, I have not seen this movie in a long time. I only rewatched it last night. This is Um, is actually a a,
1: a device that Jim's doing. It's it's, it's (laughs) being an Inner Sanctum episode, we're also making The Listener. Question their own sanity and, <laughs> yes.
0: you know, what is happening? <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to make it happen uh, out of se- the film happen out of sequence to make it more interesting. Much like Pulp Fiction was re-edited yeah. so it doesn't take place all all in, all in chronological order. Um, I've met four people, by the way, in L. A. that take credit for suggesting to uh, uh, Tarantino that it, the film should be <laughs> cut out of order. By the way, I've met four people that say that was their idea. So there you go. Um, uh this is where, okay, yeah, they're, they're all stressed. The, the, the is about to happen at midnight or whenever, and they say, okay, let's go out. Let's just shut the office early and go out, and we're going to go out and have the worst date ever. So yeah, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Finally, here we go, having dinner, having ever like that. Like, <laughs> Cheney also does, I was talking about how he does, he does, you know, angsty and stuff really well. He also does miserable really well. Yeah, Like, it's it's sort of enjoyable to watch him sit there and and be really unhappy. <laughs> I don't know why that's it it's he makes it uh kind of funny to be to be this this un, this sad. Um uh and it's and it contrasted I guess like again way back in twenty twenty or whenever when we did Mad Monster or Man Made Monster, um, you know, how how upbeat Dynamo Dan is at the beginning of the movie yeah. and you contrast it against how miserable he is in the end and kind of to some degree like Wolfman too. you know when he's hitting on Evelyn Anchors you know um, so they go out for this terrible date come home um, yeah this kind of very noirish lighting where there's a lot of silhouettes and whatnot and they, they come oh, home. Yeah, this is the first is. time by the way we, we've gotten to see um, uh, Patricia Morrison dressed up and not wearing just mostly like either just day wear or uh, like a nurse's outfit and you know like obviously looks stunning um they come in to the you know the sort of the office and they sit down where where mark Dr. mark does this hypnosis and stuff and he you know she sits in like the the chair of the person who is administering the, the 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 stuff and mark sits in the chair where of the person who normally is hypnotized and then you know something's changed and in a neat way they kind of they kind of Find a way to to get them to to oh oh he's going to get up for a drink, and they find a way to make them switch chairs. And so, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Stella sits down in the subject chair. Yes, it's this, and this we've is so
1: go ahead, so well done the th- this sequence. Yeah, because if you, yeah it is if you're not expecting it, like you, you're still not ex- you're you're kind of expecting the execution, right? The, that's essentially what they're waiting to hear, right? You, you really don't know until he. Pulls out his watch and starts swinging it back and forth what he's going to do. Right. And it's... That he's playing. This, we don't... He doesn't give it away at all. No. And it, it's it's shot at from kind of a low angle looking up a little bit at uh-huh. an angle. And like the only light yeah. you see outside of their faces is that lit little mini bar that Chaney apparently keeps in his office. And... Um,
0: of course. And well, it's like... Like that's where he keeps his like medicine and also like, you know, yeah, uh, some whiskey. Some <laughs> rye yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, yeah, the camera just suddenly Dutches a little bit. It turns. We call it a Dutch angle when when everything's crooked and stuff. I don't know if that's because things in Holland are or, or wherever no, are. I call it at a, an angle a in the Netherlands. But well, that's just I'm an Adam Westing. You fan. call what a Batman, Batman angle? angle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we call Dutching if the camera if if it's not on a perpendicular frame from the the ground and stuff. You should, call it, you should change anyway. that. You should you should like champion the change and call it Adam Westing. <laughs> I well. Uh, I I feel like it's really maybe insulting to Dutch people. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just like, I feel like Dutch people were like, everything we have is straight. Why? What? You know? It's like, it's like, it's, it's insulting. It's like how they say like everything's Greek to me. It's like, well, you know, I feel like Greek people probably don't enjoy that. (laughs) They probably like, I don't understand. Everything's Greek to us and it makes sense. Yeah. it's the opposite. Um, Everything's American to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. Um, Yeah. It is great. It's like, it, none of the performances letting you in on stuff. It's the camera starts changing the way it's, it's filming. And that's how we start to suspect that something's up. And as you said, like, you know, she's sitting there and they're talking and very subtly. We we've seen Dr. Steele take out his watch a couple times. He does it in the first, almost the first scene in the movie. And so we've established that this is something he does. He looks at it, takes his watch out, looks at it, fiddles with it. This time he takes it out and starts swinging it. And, Very quickly, we see uh, uh, Stella fall under his hypnotic spell, um, which is a great turnaround because he's really. We always talk about agency, or I do at least on the podcast. Like up until now, Doctor Mark Steele has just really been a a victim of circumstance, and he's been having to sort of just you know things have happened to have happened to him, and he really hasn't exercised any power over his own destiny and his own fate. and here he suddenly turns that around and and takes a moment and and actually or takes the initiative to actually you know get to the bottom of this thing and we what we realize is that this guy who's seemed like maybe a bit of a knucklehead i don't know <laughs> um is much cleverer than we've allowed for and 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 this thing where he says in the beginning how he, he he's never been able to have the control over his life His own his own life that he has, you know, when he works with other people, he's finally able to like get that a little bit. So that's just it's good writing, good directing. It's 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 you know good storytelling. It really is. And there's a great close up of 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 uh, Patricia Morrison's eyes, and you know, there you go. Um, And she does this little. I have to
1: say that you know the she does a fantastic job at really emoting what she's feeling without saying anything, and without being over the yes. top at all. I mean, she's, you can tell like the inner conflict and the inner struggle that she's having of, uh, you know, she's in, in way too deep. She's in over her head. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. We don't yes. know it yet, but it kind of makes sense once, you know, in the next 30 seconds, but, and, and then just, but she's also, this is her ultimate goal is to, to be with this man and she knows there's no going back now. And I think the gravity mm-hmm. of everything is now really starting to, to sit in for her and she just. To weigh in on her. Yeah. yeah.
0: Patricia Morrison. Is and just, it's like part of her almost wants to confess. It's that kind of criminal yeah, thing that it, they talk she's about. Yeah. Fantastic um, in these scenes. Yeah. And it's great. You know, she's been so contained that, you know, her, her character is, you know, Stella's whole thing is about maintaining control even as, as all this has happened, you know, the plan she hatched is sort of gone a little sideways and she's been working really hard to try and keep, keep it on, on the rails. Um, and here we see, uh, some, a kind of a montage inside her, her brain of what's going on of, of her colluding with Duvall with Robert Duvall. Um, <laughs> and, and we see, uh, you know, a kind of impression thing of like, as you know, the plan's falling apart and like buildings are starting to like, like lean in on her and there's a great shot where the two walls of this she's in an alley and the two walls of the building start like arching downwards towards her um that's that's great that that shot didn't just happen they had to set that up that's really something um there's there's physics and stuff involved in that um because you have an actress in the middle of the thing you have to really make sure that's a that's a safe thing. that's a great uh, shot
1: expressionistic almost there you know yeah it
0: really is it really is yeah um, and then, and then there's a great moment where they're leading Duval to the gallows oh, yeah. and he collapses out of frame. And when he's, he stands back up, it's her in, in, in like, prison gear and stuff, which is, you know, the, we see like the, the, uh, her worst fear, right. Is, 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 is getting found out and going, going to the electric chair. And, and obviously that, that worst fear is probably going to happen to her. So here we go. Um, uh it's it's a great little bit and then we we also we see the flashback of that you know they're trying to scam out of money that's why she burned the file his filing cabinet to destroy the checks um uh her plan is set back when Duvall actually falls for maria and he's like because he's gonna stop trying to rob her he's gonna actually you know (laughs) you know run off with her um we see her following mark to the cabin and we see you know, he, it's his cabin and he walks in and, and Maria literally just starts slapping him and attacking him. I mean, she's really, again, you know, we, we established that Maria's just sort of uh, kind of a wretched character. <laughs> yes. Um. Uh, uh, but then we, you know, we, we see Stella going in there and, and attacking Maria and, and then taking out the acid and actually, you know, she's going to burn her. So, um, you know, it's, what seemed like kind of a crime of passion was really just a crime of like, I don't know, like absolute malice, right? Just, just, just a, you know, something only like a very demented person could even do. So, you know, um, it, again, it's, it, it is always neat to see a a female get to be the villain in a movie, like a cold calculating villain too, not a, not a, you know, not a, not just a reactionary passionate, you know, kind of attack or something like that this is cold calculated plotting you know thing which is you know yeah yeah that's not (laughs) an ideal Mm -hmm. example of of being a person but but um but it is nice to see like a a a female character get to get to have that that kind of cleverness and and then and then cover it up and then you know all that all that stuff um uh just just like uh evelyn anchors in in weird woman and, and and so forth um the yeah, the acid stuff. I'm just watching the acid stuff at the moment. It's really it's really creepy. Although although the shadow's against a wall with no knots in the pine, so <laughs> there must be there's there's one wall. There's one wall in the naughty pine cabin that's not naughty. It's the non-naughty room. Oh, the door's naughty, so there you go. Anyway. Um yeah, I just I just love this whole bit. Um and then she she actually kind of when when Mark hypnotizes himself, she kind of coaches him in what to say i assume she she does this when the snob recording and then starts recording only when he's 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 been you know it's like hypnotic suggesting he's he's been suggested what what is appropriate to say so um yeah really you know she almost got away with it almost (laughs) and if it wasn't you know um i mean we we see like you know greg is greg is like uh uh suspicious of her apparently from the start like he's been suspicious of her the whole time but he's been um going after mark as a kind of diversion um to to give her time to to out herself and stuff and it turns out mark is able to to out 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 her himself and of course as usual greg is just in the room <laughs> like unannounced like just like, hanging just, out. like the phantom yeah exactly um uh, and, and he's heard her her confession, so um, everything's gonna be cleared up now. Uh, we find Doctor Marcus not, you know, the victim or the the, the villain that, that he was worried he was, um, and uh, and Doctor and Inspector Greg has his has his not his man his woman, um, and we have an interesting little you know you know Greg who's been a supporting character in in uh, in the film so far sort of emerges into this moment where like you could almost see like there could be more inspector greg stories we were talking about like a spin off episode with you know <laughs> before like like and he talks about how like you know he just gets to he you know he's always he's always surrounded by death and then he has to go find a life and then ruin it by convicting you know convicting them of 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 the murder and stuff i mean this the life of a homicide detective is a bleak thing yeah um very noirish, very noirish at the end, which is neat, and it gives it gives us just a moment to you know have have Jay Ash do something besides act like kind of a dick to to Lon Chaney, which is what he's been doing most of the most of the films. So that's nice. It's a nice turnaround. It really is, and it's oh. it's a great. That's another
1: thing that it, I mean I think is true for most uh, stories and films of the era, but they don't spend an overly large amount of time. Like post big reveal or big you know right. ending, it's just kind of you know that that's what it is. Sometimes they spend yeah they don't less. make a meal out of it. Yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Um, you know, Cheney, you know, I, as much kind of control as he as he had or not over this series, like you know, I mean, the ones we've we've talked about so far, like Cheney's never his characters never really heroic in these movies, you know, is they're very, they're, they're complicated stories. They're not simple morality tales where, um, again, like I'm just going to use John Wayne as an example. And stuff. but I think even a lot of John Wayne's films had a little bit more nuance to them than the average person thinks. Uh, I think if you go back and watch Sands of Iwo Jima or, or Flying Tigers or anything like that, I mean, there's still, there's, there's, there's more character in there that Wayne was able to do than, than we, kind of remember um but but these films especially you know like like for for being Lon cheney starring vehicles which they all were uh uh cheney gets to play these kind of nuanced characters that they're very flawed they're not you know he he wasn't i don't think he was interested i'm inferring this but i don't think he was interested in playing some kind of you know awesome paragon awesome badass Vin Diesel action dude or whatever like yeah. whatever the, the the current equivalent of it is I I don't know. I've never I've only seen one of those fast car movies. Um <laughs> but uh um they're not simple, right? I mean he he really is getting to do some stuff some some nuanced stuff and it's it's I'm I'm really thankful that Mill Creek has put out this really nice uh Blu-ray edition of of these things. They look great, they sound great, and as you said, I I haven't listened to this commentary on this one yet. I'm I'm anxious to cuz um I'd like to know more. That's, and it's cool that like, when you have literally like the offspring of the, you know, somebody involved in this to, to really shed some light on, on some stuff behind the scenes. It's cool.
1: It is. And I, I recommend that commentary for anybody, uh, whether you're, even if you're not necessarily a fan, a huge fan of the inner sanctum movies, if you're a fan mm-hmm. of Reginald LeBorg, um, <clears throat> yeah, you know, you, you Which get some good, good insight to, uh, to, him and, and some funny anecdotes and, and things of that.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, we, we get, we get very, we have very little information at that that I found of like how these films were directed, which as a director, I mean, that's interesting to me. Um, you know, as opposed to, you know, you can go find so much stuff about Stanley Kubrick directing the shining and so much, you know, you can watch him directing it. Um, while they did X amount of behind the scenes type stuff for movies in this era, less so in the forties than maybe in the thirties when they're being these more high value, you know, Frankenstein, Dracula, black cat type movies. Um, Uh, you don't really get to see james whale his directing style you don't get to see him doing it right and you know we have some stills we just don't um, obviously film was expensive and it was hard to light and like that we just they didn't do that kind of thing um we have we have all the stuff with the Shining because stanley kubrick's wife or daughter i think i can't remember which was like had a 16 millimeter camera or video or an early video camera or something and she was like filming the whole time so there you go. Likewise, um, Prince for Coppola's wife was chronicling, making a podcast. Now, anyway, my point being, um, yeah, any chance I can get to like sort of piece together how these guys would have put together a scene back in the day is always, is like really valuable to me. So respecting but, the moves as much. Easier.
1: And one thing, and, uh, you and I spoke when we weren't recording about this the last time briefly. Um, but I wanted to bring this up here cause I think it's a good, a good forum for it. um, and you know a, a a big knock on a lot of these Inter Sanctum movies is is Lon Chaney Jr. and the fact that he's in a role of some sort of notoriety, you know, some sort of a doctor, a a hypnotist, mm, mm-hmm. a lawyer, a chemist, oh, okay. you know, an, an intellectual type. Um, and he's not, you know, the he's not Lenny. He, he he's not this. You know, middle and middle and, class. And he's, he's not playing.
0: He's not playing that of. type of character that we we associate with him, kind it, of. right? And
1: you get huh. this. You get this a lot too. And you hear criticisms about Chaney and Son of Dracula about ah, he's just not believable. You know, as a yeah, as a, he's not European as a vampire. And if, <clears throat> it's interesting that uh, you know you hear that about Son of Dracula, but no one else says anything about. Literally, nobody else in that movie that's set in the deep Louisiana bayou of having any type <laughs> of Southern Nobody has an accent. Yeah, nobody has a Southern accent.
0: Anyways. Um, yeah. But Lugosi aside, accents not being Universal's strongest yeah. so, point. Not something they uh, va- uh, uh, focused on as much, so to say.
1: So I've, over the last... Uh, I'm a member of the Classic Horror Film Board and, and I imagine a large part of our listeners are as well. If for not, you should check it out. There's there's a litany of uh, information and opinions and all sorts of things on that place. But um I I summarized something uh not too long ago. It's actually in a thread on the Strange Confession movie. And uh you know, over the last, I don't know, three or four years, I've I've made it a point to for anybody that's interested in kind of exploring or viewing these movies for the first time to show a few to them. And just, I, I enjoy seeing people's reactions. That's never seen these movies before. You know, they have no frame of reference. And so that they, they're really coming at it with a a clean slate. And um, with Lon Chaney Jr. Being obviously one of my favorites, I, I tend to show strange confession and son of Dracula you know, as opposed to the Wolfman or, or of Mice and man. And the feedback that I get that I've seen from, you know, people, uh, that have seen these movies for the first time, no one has ever said, yeah, it was really good. But that, that bigger guy who played Dracula, I I just, I don't know. He sounded too Midwestern, you know, (laughs) no, no one, no no one says that. No, No one thinks that. And I think sometimes, uh, uh, us in the classic horror fandom, maybe get a little too preoccupied with, uh oh, if you're uh, a, a doctor in 1943, you need to be not American. You need to be extremely, you know, <laughs> sounding transatlantic. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: and, yeah, continental or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And,
1: and, you know, I think that's just such a, to me anyways, and obviously again, I'm biased, but it's such an unfair criticism of of Lon Chaney, I believe, because it, so one of the replies to this thread is, is, is very, very good. And uh, they point out, they said, you know, it's, I can understand that, uh, Lon Chaney Jr. and the Wolfman as the son of a, you know, British Lord <laughs> is, is maybe, well, maybe not believable, you know, cause, cause of how he talks he goes but if you fast forward to Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, and you see Larry Talbot as an Englishman; it is fairly believable. Not necessarily that he, because he doesn't have an English accent, but if you look at the way he talks and his delivery and his enunciation and how everything is very grammatically perfect, especially compared to the overly American kind of you know coastal, Bud Abbott. yeah, Abbott and Costello the monsters, yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> so it's it's Dracula. <laughs> He does say that. puts the, the R at the end yeah. of Dracula every time. It's, I can't, uh, it's Dracula it's, it's, and really, the monster. Yeah. Um, I and mean, the mansters, yeah. So it's just, um, you know. It, it, no, absolutely. Um, well, I mean, first Wolfman explains that, that he's he spent all his time in America. Like he mm-hmm. basically was sent off. So, so that's, you know, they, I mean, they really made a point of maybe one of the few times in universal history, they're like, no, no, he has this accent because of this. This is what it is. Um, obviously, again, we always talk about the joke about, what did what did Larry Talbot's mother look like? Because <laughs> yeah. obviously he doesn't share a <laughs> lot of physical similarities with with uh, uh, his dad. Um, with uh, yeah, but um, you know, I, I think a lot of that is I think it's two things. I think it's there's in 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 any kind of subgenre or culture, kind of like the horror classic horror culture, there are preconceived biases that have just become entrenched. And it's all the things like Legosi hated Karloff and yeah. Cheney was a drunk and all these things. These are kind of like these uh, 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 pop culture kind of myths that have risen up and, and taken hold regardless of how much actual accuracy they, there is. You know, we, And we talked about the Legosi-Karloff thing all the time where like I think it's more interesting to think Legosi hated Karloff, but the 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 predominance of evidence seems to you know while while there may have been some envy obviously the predominance of evidence speaks to the contrary that, that you know that these are just you know I mean Karloff wasn't responsible for Lugosi not getting roles the studio was responsible for Lugosi getting not getting roles so if he resented anybody he probably resented Universal and and some of the other studios I and, mean that would and any just- logical
1: Thing. And there were two vastly yeah. different people from completely different cultures. Course, yeah. So, you know, the, yeah, they were yeah, yeah, respectful know. to each other, sure, but right. they weren't going to necessarily – Go hang out after after shooting. You know, they
0: just they yes, they're very different types, of yeah, just different of people. Types of people. they They had different lifestyles. Obviously, they had different interests, just and, like you know um, didn't necessarily probably want to go to a bar with Blonde Cheney Jr. and join the uh, the Shin Kickers Club, you know, after after yes, after exactly. Shooting, that would know. not have been something he wanted to do. they he He was pursuing other interests um, it, it, a different he was from a different generation. um all those things. Um, and then I think the other thing is, is sometimes when new people come in, it's, it's actually like a contemporary bias where we look at a movie now, and obviously if you made a movie in 2023 and someone is, is supposed to be from Transylvania, they would have the accent. You wouldn't cast somebody who doesn't have the accent because the modern audience wouldn't accept it. Um, I just, you know, I just have the opinion of, it's, it's like going back and trying to retro think something that was made 90 years ago. Like just, it it's what it is. Just go with it. And the oddities of it are, you know, maybe long Janey junior being cast as a Transylvania Count. Like, like the oddities of it are what make them make it wonderful. Like if you're, I think a lot of people, and I say this a lot of time in my other disciplines, I think a lot of people think art is about perfection. Like, like art is somehow supposed to be right or perfect. And, uh, to my mind that's the polar opposite of what's art supposed to be uh, art is supposed to be emotionally true and and the rest of it you know y- you take you take what you do and and sometimes those decisions are purposely made um if if you're searching for logic and and pure whatever like like watch a documentary that's not what we're talking about here we're talking about you know something that's been created so yeah you know hey i'm just and and the the, the other thing i finally want to say is just like, like i think we're just lucky we have these movies i think they're, we're lucky as many of these films as as have been have been preserved and restored and and protected so that we can tap into this culture from 90 years ago and you know just spend a few hours in it and then come back out to our modern you know ridiculous reality show world (laughs) Um, you know uh uh and and i think our listeners and us and and we all share this same affection for all this this uh this era of filmmaking and this particular style and genre of filmmaking that um obviously we do because you know we've (laughs) we've had seventy five thousand downloads or whatever so like hey you know someone's listening so i mean we i i'm so thankful that we get to hear here at the end of, of 2023 as we're winding down the year i'm just i want to say to just everyone listening and, and all you guys who who download the episodes and listen and give us feedback and everything like that we really appreciate you uh i mean i would probably be doing this anyway if we had four listeners but it's really nice that that we have the volume of of listenership that we do uh that 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 share the enjoyment livio me and and all of our other uh, uh guest hosts have for for these these movies it's just it's wonderful it i'm is. so glad that I, i'm thankful to scott kelly way back in the day for reaching out and saying like hey do you want to do a podcast about just old universal movies specifically and i was like hell yeah i'll do that um i mean I, and, i'm uh, not I'm, thankful I'm,
1: for scott but that's I'm, just because... and i'm
0: grateful that he brought you on back in the day for <laughs> son of frankenstein i think or son of Dracula was your first episode it was. if i remember correctly in 2021 or so and and here we are 2 years later uh, 75 episodes in man yeah. So yeah and, and
1: uh, I, I say that Before I'm not come. I'm not uh, I'm not thankful for Scott but that's just because uh, I'm being facetious <laughs> and he's a New England Patriots fan but I think he's endured enough <laughs> enough hurt this this past year but it is interesting you know um, <laughs> Yeah <laughs> I only say that cuz he's not here to defend himself um, Zoinks so uh, some interesting numbers that, that Jim sent me just the other day on our podcast oh, yeah. for the year of 2023, you know, we've, we've had, as as you said, over 75,000 downloads and it's really, I don't personally think of this at all when we're recording about just some of the areas that we go to and that we reach and, you know, we we've, like our number one city mm. is New York, then followed by LA, then Chicago. I saw that.
0: New York City is our number one listenership. That's amazing. Yeah.
1: We're in fifty one different countries. You know, we we've had two hundred and nineteen downloads in Germany, ninety-six in Mexico, you know, thirteen hundred from the United Kingdom, almost eight hundred from Canada. So it's it's just it's very humbling and just wanted to say to to everybody that you, that eh? has supported us and continues to download and and listen to us and share us your opinions good bad or indifferent just thank you for you know allowing us to to grace your ears with our our voices and ramblings about these yes. 80 year old movies
0: <laughs> yes and i i promise to try to get uh my pronunciation of of some names a little bit better i i got called out on calling james balderston james balderstein uh, recently i do realize i did that so yeah i work on it it's mm. so. sometimes after about two hours, <laughs> the words start coming faster than the brain is working anymore. But, uh, but I do try, I mean, you know, it's impossible to get everything 1000% correct. Obviously I'm going to, I'm going to misspeak sometimes. Uh, and maybe my Pittsburgh accent's going to come out and, and mess up some stuff. Not, not as bad as the Boston one, just saying, but,
1: I <laughs> uh, uh, see, I got to dig into <laughs> you. Yeah. Uh,
0: we love you, Scott. What do really you get do. for not yeah. being here, Scott? <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, anyway, we, we love you, Scott. Um, uh, but you know, but, but we really do our best and stuff, you know, and, and if you don't like it, we, we guarantee your money back, I guess, Yeah. (laughs) which is funny because, because the podcast is free. See anyway. Um, but not to end on that note, uh, again, uh, I hope everyone is having just a a great holiday season, uh, as your, as your year winds down, we're looking forward to a whole slate of 2024. I've been going through, uh, the schedules and starting to make some, some reached out to some. Uh, fun guest hosts we've had on before, some new guest hosts we haven't had before. Uh, I'm kind of banking a bunch of, of uh, episodes that I know, Livio, you're going to want to really mm-hmm. get in and talk about. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to find someone willing to talk about Invisible Woman with me. Good luck. Uh, <laughs> good luck. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, there'll be someone out there, I swear. Um, but a lot of fun stuff. Um, maybe some lesser known things, uh, uh, films that that would be. I think would might be fun to to broach into uh i want to start talking about some more silent movies uh than we've tapped it before there's a whole wealth of 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 great ones that um we haven't really discussed on the podcast yet and i'd like to really get into it po- post our our really fun discussion on uh, phantom of the opera 25 i think it'll be really fun yes um and then and then there's amazingly some really well-known films that we just haven't even managed to get to yet of the 30s and 40s so we're gonna do that and also um like I think I said in the last episode, we might branch into a couple little sci-fi movies from the era too. I think that might be fun because there's some great ones uh, there as well. And they they still they still rock within our our wheelhouse. And I, I think there'll be a nice change of pace for every once in a while. So t- plenty of great stuff to come in 2024, guys. And we look forward to bringing it to you. Thank you so much uh, for listening. This has been uh, Jim Towns. I'm with Livio Marino. We've been talking about the inner sanctum mystery calling Dr. Death. And uh, we'll see you in 2024. Good night. Yeah.
1: Happy holidays and happy new year, everybody.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode, but the fun does not stop here. You can follow and interact with the show's hosts and listeners online on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The Borgo Pass Horror Podcast is a presentation of shadow camera film and entertainment. This episode was edited by Livio Marino. The music was composed by Sean Gould. Opening and closing narration are by me, Cat Herons. Show titles and graphics created by Jim Towns. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Borgo Pass Horror Podcast.